It's funny. I talk about this so much on social media because it's probably one of the top questions I get asked because of all the people that are like, you can't have the latte. You can't do this. I always turn around the question to this person or anyone who asked me this and I say, well, what is it you really want? Hi, I'm Christy Winfrey, and I'm so excited you're here with me today. Welcome to the Not Just a Daydream podcast. Have you ever found yourself daydreaming about the life you wish you had? Yeah, me too. Well, for many years, I felt stuck and I felt those dreams would only ever be just daydreams. Today, I now run a thriving six-figure virtual business that allows me to have the freedom to work and live from anywhere. I also teach others how to grow and operate a successful TC business of their very own. If you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and application, then this is the podcast for you. In here, we discuss business dreams, goals, and everything in between. Welcome to the Not Just a Daydream podcast. everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Caroline Tannis. She is a financial planner and she has a lot of great advice for us and she's just going to share her story with us. So welcome to the show, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, I know you have some great topics we want to cover, so I'm excited to be here and dive into everything. Yeah, me too. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into the role that you are in now and, and then stepping out on your own as well? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a wild story. And looking back on it now, I'm like, okay, that chapter is behind me. Thankfully, we can all move on. I think when we all do that big jump from the world of corporate into having our own, whether it's business, practice, you name it, can be a scary jump. So I started my financial planning journey uh, and career at uh, Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, as some of people know it. And I was there for half a decade, which is a little scary to think. And during my time there, it was the height of the pandemic, right? So I started several years before the pandemic, was there though throughout the entire pandemic. And during that time, we just saw a lot of changes in the industry, in the economy too. And some of the changes on the corporate side of things that just did not align with who I was. And so being home during the pandemic, we all know we had probably too much time to actually sit and think in our own thoughts and reflect. And so I had decided uh, in 2022 that it was time and in the best interest of me and my clients, really, it was how do I best serve them? Because everything I'm doing, I needed to be in their best interest. And part of their best interest too is having me be able to be at my best. And so I took that jump and left and went out on my own. I went the independent route. And Tannis Financial Group was born. That's awesome. Did um, during COVID, did well, you said that you saw like a, a difference in the industry? Mm-hmm. Did it get slower, busier? What what happened in the financial industry with investing at that time? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's almost a twofold answer, right? So there's, I always see it as okay, what's happening with industry professionals, right? So we had a lot of financial advisors leave the industry in record numbers during the pandemic. A lot of people retired. They finally threw their hats in and said, this is it. I've had enough Um, because clients were calling, right? It was a busy time. Clients were calling. We saw the markets in March of 2020 and April of 2020. And for me, I love to be able to connect with my clients and to be able to have conversations. Um, Even if they're good or bad, there's something powerful in 
talking through those moments, right? And saying, hey, here's our plan. Here's how we see things. Here's how we move forward. And a lot of advisors didn't want to have to do that work. They didn't want to have to sit down and pull the long hours of calling anybody. And I get it. A lot of them went through this in the 2008s and 2009s, the 90s. And so for them, it was like, we don't want to do this anymore. We're done. So with that, you had a lot of people leaving the industry. You also had a lot of newer people at that time who couldn't keep up with the demand of it, right? It's a demanding career. I take calls on Sundays sometimes. I talk to people at night. And I love it because my clients are almost a second family to me. But if you're not building your practice that way, it can be really frustrating, right? When somebody you don't like is calling you, you're not exactly jumping to answer during your free time. And so we saw a lot of shifts in that way of people leaving the industry, which caused frustration for clients, right? Like their advisors are leaving. They're sitting here now saying, okay, well, do I go find a new advisor? Where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Right. And there were a lot of shifts in there. And to the markets, you've seen a lot of volatility. So for people who can't guide their clients during that through that storm, it's a really stressful time. And I think that also got to both clients and the advisors. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's one of the things that truly makes a great uh, advisor is the communication. You know, like mm-hmm. you have to, and really in any role, when something goes wrong, it's important that you're still, or, you know, wrong or bad, badly. It's important that you're still communicating because that's like when people need to hear from you the most. Exactly. Exactly. They want to hear from you in the exciting times, right? So when they're buying a house, when they're having children, going off to college, like those are our big times. And two, when there are scary things going on, like death, really volatile changes in the market, economic conditions that are happening that are out of our control. And a lot of people want to run and hide. And it's that time. And I think this is something that's helped my practice grow so much is those are the times when people are hearing from me, whether it's even just getting a email news blast, hey, here's exactly what's going on in the markets. If you want to have a conversation about this one-on-one, please schedule time on my calendar. For some people, they're like, no, I would love to talk more. Others are like, no, I just appreciate the update, knowing what you're doing, and that's it. And I'm always open for them going either way. I'm like, if you feel settled, that's fine. If we need to talk more, that's what I'm here for. That's my job. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, because it is truly a relationship business. And so if you're not having communication, there's, I mean, there's not a relationship. Right. And at that point, you know, why even have that person? And if you don't have that trust with them to go to them when the good, the bad, the ugly are happening, find a robo-advisor, you know, fine. You can call a 1-800 number and it's essentially the same thing. But that's what I love about it is the relationship I have with clients, you know, celebrating. We have one, you know, client, their, their child's going off to college this year. We're celebrating, we're planning. Another whose business is changing, celebrating, planning, all of those things in there. And I love to be there for the ups and downs. That's awesome. So what what made you decide to go out on your own and open your own? So a lot of it came from, and it's funny, I had this conversation with my father at the time, and he was like, you need to be running to something, not running from something, which can be very frustrating <laughs> advice to hear when you are in a situation where you're morals and values are not aligned anymore with where you are. And so that was a big struggle was seeing, you know, we were, people were turning more into numbers than they were 
being treated as clients. And that's for me a big line in the sand of, once again, going back to relationship based, right? Wanting people to feel valued, feel heard, even if they're at a really large bank or, you know, brokerage firm to still feel like they are them, not just a number. And so that's where I had a lot of issues. And so it took me a really long time to figure out where the right place was. And so it happened with a conversation, and I will never forget this conversation. A friend of mine who's also in the financial industry, she reached out to me in August, like end of August, 2021. She goes, I have this crazy idea. She was frustrated being at the firm she was at. She's like, what if several of us female advisors all came together and built our own practice? So we are now all together. We each run our own client base and book of business, but we're able able to share resources. We're able to work together. And it's all of us just coming from places in the industry where we've just seen changes that weren't aligned with our values anymore, not liking the way things were going. And we all came together and raised our hand and said, hey, we want something different. We want something more. We want something more for our clients to be able to serve them better. And so that was in that moment where I had this okay, I'm not running from something. I'm running to something where we can make a change for the industry, for our clients, for the greater good. You know, everyone thinks money and finance and has this like ick, gross feeling, right? We all think of, you know, the Bernie Madoffs, the big names who've done the wrong thing. And it's like, we want to go the total opposite direction where we are going above and beyond doing the right thing. That's great. Yeah. And so important too. I mean, you definitely need to have people you can trust whenever you're investing into your into your retirement or your future. Yeah, and it's a an emotional journey for people as well. Mhm. Right. So what would you say you know you've had the business a little over a year going on 2 years now. What has been some challenges and struggles, things that you've had to overcome by going out on your own? This is what I think about a lot, especially to, you know, being in the middle of 2023. I'm like, okay, it's time for a mid-year check-in with how business is going, how am I doing, tracking towards goals, client goals. And I think some of the challenges are people move in their own time, right? Like you're super excited. You have this great idea. And this is with any business, right? We get all fired up. We're like, oh, this is going to change the world. This is super exciting. But it takes time for people to follow that journey and to get excited as well. And now, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later, now I'm really starting to see people are excited, right? Like people want to be a part of this. They're excited. They're telling their friends, they're telling their family, but it takes time for that to build up. And I think we forget about that portion because for me, this journey started back in 2021, but it didn't come into the world until halfway through 2022. And so there is that, you know, reminder of people, you need to give people time to process their own emotions in these big changes. And they're not just going to run after you and give you their money, whether you're selling a product, service, you name it, it's going to take them time. And whenever we have new advisors moving over, they're always like, what do you recommend I do? Like, how can I best prepare? And I'm like, you need to give yourself time because when you start to get that nervous energy and that rush around it is when people are like, okay, like this is weird. What are you doing? And um, there's the the patience of having that time. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, really great advice and so true, even in our industry and real estate, you know, an agent who gets in the business, usually it'll take them about 90 days to see their first paycheck. Um, and that's, you know, that's if they get a client under contract within the probably the first 45 days. So I think people, they want to see like, okay, she's doing something new. Is this going to last or, mm-hmm. you know, and then just a little bit more hesitancy than we do as the business owner being super excited and pumped up for it. Right. And even too, when you think about the real estate world, it's like, there's so many real estate agents. There's so many financial advisors, even now after seeing so many people leave, but it takes time. They want to see, right? Will you last? What is this going to be? And it's, you get so excited about the first people that join you because they are, if you've ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese, like they oh, are yeah, the yeah. initial people yeah, that want to follow you and that believe in it. And it's like now when you get to that second phase, it's, you know, it's the people who are like, okay, like she's sticking around. We're going to feel it out. Like this could be something great because she's actually doing it. And you can't fault any of those people too, no matter what industry, whether it's real estate agents, financial advisors, insurance you know, brokers, because you want to know that there's longevity because these are big decisions. You know, how many houses do people buy in their lifetime? It's not many. And so it's an emotional decision and it's where they want to spend their life. It's where they want to spend, watch their kids grow up, spend time getting old. It's very emotional. And I think a lot of people try to breeze through that part of things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That and, or they're not prepared for the length amount of time that it might take to actually get clients. So I know, you know, I know for, for your former clients or the people that you have previously worked with, you've really shown your value through the communication and the education. What are you doing to get new clients and like putting yourself out there and giving them value so that way they know like you're the trusted expert that they need to go to. Yeah. So I love to do education. That is the biggest thing to me. And I think that's an area where I found myself struggling when I was at Merrill was that I was not able to educate people and provide a lot of that value. So I love to do, I do a lot of corporate speaking. I go into companies and I'll do workshops and lunch and learns. And the biggest priority in there is how many people can I educate? I always know that in the end, someone is going to book a call. If not, you know, one to 10 people will book an intro call with me and then we'll move through the financial planning process in there. But when I go into this workshop, it's like, uh, how many people can I educate? How many people can I empower? And it's funny, I actually commented on someone's post on this on LinkedIn today. When you sit there and you start providing value and educating people, the money will always follow. Mm-hmm. And that took the longest time for me to understand is you need to start here. And once you do this, A, the right people will follow you and B, they will follow you and be your biggest fans, which is what I love is I had a couple of clients when I was at Merrill who just were not aligned with what I was trying to build and what I wanted to see for the future. And it's a hard thing when you don't have the same goals. And so when I'm doing these educational workshops, It's twofold, right? It's great. I'm educating, I'm empowering, and that fills me up. And then I know things will follow from there. Yeah. I think it's Zig Ziglar who had the quote of, if you help enough people get what they want, then you'll always have like what what you need or what you want. I don't remember the exact wording, but yeah, 
But yeah, totally believe that. And being able to find your ideal client by doing the things that you love of the education Mm -hmm. and stuff, I think that's super important too, because when you're in a client-based service, just like mine, you don't want to have to work with everybody because not everybody's going to be a good fit. And like you said, I mean, they're not, not aligned with your vision. And I feel like it's a, it's really hard to give raving fan service to the clients who aren't the right fit because they probably have different expectations than you have. And when those expectations don't align, like how do you provide raving fan service? That is such a great point. And and that's always when you notice the problems. And this is any industry, right? Is when you're not working with the people who you are aligned and meant to serve, that's when you have the issues and people are like, this is so weird. I had a customer complaint or, you know, this person came back at me and said this. And I'm like, well, they're not who you wanted to serve. They're not who you should serve because you love serving X, Y, and Z person. And that's what you've mastered. And that's what you're doing. So that's when a lot of problems I noticed arise with people is when you step out and it's not, oh, I want to start serving somebody new because I want to help them. It's because, well, I just took them on because I wanted the money and I knew I could make a quick sale or a quick dollar. You're doing them a disservice then by and you're disturbing yourself because you're going to stress yourself out. You're going to be so worried. You're going to be up at, you know, two in the morning fielding calls from the client and you're going to be frustrated and it's not who you're meant to serve. Yeah. So, so true. Let's say, you know, somebody listening is going, starting a business and getting into a client service business. What would you tell them? Like, how should they go about figuring out who their ideal client is if they haven't actually worked with clients? Because like after you've worked with clients for a little while, you can kind of start figuring out, okay, this is this, I like this. I don't like this. So you can figure out who your ideal client is. But in the very beginning, it's hard to tell, but I think it's so important to already have an idea of who you're looking for. For me, the process I went through, it's partly that trial and error, right? Of starting to work through the people and see where you're aligned. But something I love that a business coach had me do was, and a lot of people now do this, right? Is you write down your client avatar, right? So the person who even is, you know, get really detailed, what is their gender? What do they like to do? What is their occupation? What do they do for fun? All of those details and do it over and over and over again, because I even still do it now, even though, you know, my clients are primarily female breadwinners and I work with them and their families, right? So their husband or wife and children, the whole family. And for me, it took a long time to admit that that's who I love to work with because that's very specific, right? Female breadwinners and their families if they have one. And so that came through trial and error, but also this journaling process, right? Like where did I feel the most rewarded and who could I help serve the best, I had a lot of people who would come to me who were business owners and it took a while for me to say like, I can't necessarily best serve a really, really small business owner who may have started this as a hobby. I can help the person who wants to majorly grow their business and they want to then become that breadwinner of the family. But for me, there was a lot of that. You can like feel it in your body, that like cognitive dissonance of like, "Mm, like this doesn't feel right. I don't know what the best solution is for them. But when I started journaling about and really writing out like who was she or he, what did they do as a profession? What did they like to do for fun? And a lot of it too has to do sometimes with what you like to do. So I love to be at the beach. I love to travel. 
when I look back at it, most of my clients are very similar. They love to travel. Those are some of their biggest goals. They want to own a home. So you will see some alignment in who you are and what you like and also in your clients because those are the circles you hang out in and those are the people you are probably going to attract. And those two really just go hand in hand. That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, but but that's so true. That's <laughs> so true. And I I love I think this is gonna tie into our next question because you said like, you know, you're attracting clients that have similar hobbies as you, like they wanna have a house, they wanna travel. And so one of the questions I have, and I heard just recently like on another podcast, people are being told like, you don't have a retirement because you're buying Starbucks or you're going out to eat too much or you're traveling too much. Like, what would your advice be for somebody who still wants to be able to enjoy life and not feel completely restricted in those areas, but still save for their future? It's funny. I talk about this so much on social media because it's probably one of the top questions I get asked because of all the people that are like, you can't have the latte. You can't do this. I always turn around the question to this person or anyone who asked me this and I say, well, what is it you really want? I talk all about financial planning to help you build your dream life. And I think it is so important that you are fiercely pursuing the things that you love and saying no to the things that you want. So I always give the example, I I like to talk about myself sometimes, and I say, I'm not a tech person, as we saw when we were trying to get on here today to record this. (laughs) I'm not a tech person. I'm not really a gadget person. I could tell you that the TV that sits in my office is from... 15 years ago, because I don't care. And so for me, going out and buying the frame TV because it was on sale for Amazon Prime Day, just because I could, doesn't mean I should. It does not phase me that this is probably one of the original flat screen TVs as I'm like looking at it in the corner. I don't care. And so I know a lot of people would be like, well, I want the frame TV. And this is also just an example, nothing against the frame TV, is... They want that aesthetic, right? Of you come into their home and like, oh, wow, like they have the frame TV. You need to let go of other people's perceptions of you. And if that's not what you care about is that piece of technology, say no. If you love, and for you getting a $7 latte every morning, because let's be honest, it's no longer the $5 one that we always talked about. It's like seven, $8. At least. Which is, yeah, which is absolutely insane. I got a small latte the other day and she's like, that'll be 705. And I was like, get out of town. Yeah. Uh-huh. But and so that that does compound if you do want to do the math on it. But if that's what you love, go do it. But make sure you're factoring that into your life. I find when people have this struggle, they're like, Well, I want the seven dollar latte, I want the frame TV, I want to drive the fancy schmancy car, even though I don't know or don't care anything about cars, and then I want this, that, and the other thing. And it's usually when we start to get back up, back into the why, it's because they saw it on social media. The neighbors have it. Their parents said they have to have it because, you know, they bought a house when they first got married. So you have to buy a house when you first get married. And that's when people run into these financial problems and they're so stressed trying to fill everyone else's financial expectations that they're depriving themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that, how you're saying like, don't go for the wants, but go for the the loves. And like I myself absolutely love to travel. That is my mm-hmm. big, probably biggest passion. Traveling is expensive. So, yeah. and it's gotten more expensive since, I feel like since COVID, the hotel prices have just like gone up Insane. like crazy. 
So, so yeah, I, I always have to think about that. Like, I want to go back to Nashville here soon, but I'm like, uh, do, do I really want to spend like a grand on a weekend? Like that's probably what it's going to cost. Right. And I think even to like the style in which people travel now with Instagram, TikTok, social media, everyone thinks they need to travel in the lo- most luxurious way possible. When we look back at it, generations before us were like scrapping it along. And I'm not saying you need to go to that extreme, but there's also the consideration of, well, what are your must-haves on a trip? When one of my friends and I travel, I always say, for this to be the best trip for you, what are the three things you must do for it to be a success? And so we went to LA two years ago. And so I was like, for me, I want to see the Hollywood sign. I forget the other two. Uh, Oh, Venice Beach and one other. And so he said what his three were. And so anything in addition, we were like, you know, we know we're fulfilled. Like we'd rather just sit by the pool and the beach. Like we, this has been a successful trip. Whereas I know people, they go on a location or destination and they're like, I need to get bottle service. I need to have food by the beach because I have to post it or I have to, you know, know that I did this. Do you care? And do you want that is always the question I ask. Right. And for me too, I'm always thinking, is it feeding into my longer goals? Exactly. You know, I, I definitely want to purchase another property to have a short-term rental. And I know if I keep traveling all the time, well, that, that takes money away from being able to put a down payment on that. So, so getting into investing, what would you say are, what are the best retirement funds that somebody should invest in if if they are a W-2 employee or for three different people, really. So a W-2 employee, an employer with no employees, and an employer with employees. Because I know it it varies, right, depending on like what your status is. It does. And so I'm going to approach this too just from the educational standpoint. I highly encourage everyone, do the research, make sure um, limits, contribution limits, rules, they change from year to year. So make sure you are checking the IRS website too to make sure – These are still valid, but for 2023 W-2 employees, it's a mix. And I've seen a lot of changes recently where not every employer is offering a 401k. So if you aren't offered a 401k, or if you are, depending on your income limits, which I encourage you to look up, you could also have the ability to contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA. Roth money is post-tax, so that money grows without taxes. And when you take it out, you are not, or sorry, it's growing. You've already paid the taxes on it. When you take the money out, you don't have to pay taxes. When you have a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k, you are not paying taxes on that money. You're actually receiving a tax deduction for it. So that money grows. And when you pull it out, the money will be taxed. So I encourage people to look up income limits, familiarize yourself with what your employer is offering, because a lot of people aren't even familiar with what's being offered to them just by their employer. For an individual, you if you have your own business, you have a lot of options in there. And a lot of them too depend on how much money your business inmate is making and what is the right fit. And so you have options like a solo 401k. So that's if you are the only employee, or if you also have a spouse that's an employee, they can also contribute. You have a SEP IRA, which has pretty high contribution limits, and you also have your traditional and Roth IRA options depending on your income. So a lot of these have different caveats to them and different pros and cons. So I encourage everyone to to figure out, okay, what makes the most sense based on how many employees you have, 
how much income you have, and also too based on your tax status. And you can do research on your own on the IRS website or reach out to myself or another financial professional that you trust. For the last one to touch on is a employee or a business owner who has multiple employees. Keep in mind things get tricky in here because once you start contributing for yourself, you do have certain responsibilities to contribute for your employees. A lot of employers are like, well, I want to contribute for myself, but I don't want to have to do it for everyone else. Sorry to break it to you. The IRS does not let that happen. And so you have different options in there like IRAs, SEPs. You can't do a solo 401k, but you could start up your own 401k plan for you and your employees. So there's a lot of complexities in there, but just know that based on your employment status, how many employees you have and income, you do have a lot of different options. It's just about researching and finding the best one for you. And keep in mind, it might change, right? Especially as businesses grow and evolve, you can see changes. And if you have to change, can that money just roll over into the other plan that you you go into or how does that work? Good question. It depends on the plan and also to the rules around the plan, which I know can sound like not answering the question, but it does depend a lot on the way you've set things up. And that's, I think, too, the importance, even if it's just you right now as a solo 401k or whatever it might be, ask either your accountant or advisor Just ask them some questions and to make sure you know all of the options, especially too, I have a couple um, business owners that I work with where their companies are really quickly growing. And so they're like, hey, I want to do one thing now, but how do I set things up so in the long term we could shift or change? And so make sure too, when you sit down with those financial professionals, you're sharing what your bigger goal and dream is so they can help guide you and to tell you if they're doing the right thing, they should be able to to guide you and tell you how or what things to look out for as the business is growing to know, hey, here's when it's time to make that change. Okay. And then with Roth and regular IRAs, the I've heard it said like you really need to look at maybe what tax bracket you are currently in and what tax bracket you would p- potentially be in when you retire to, to determine which one of those that you should go into? Would you, I mean, is that correct or? There's a lot more complexities to it than that. Then I think that's kind of the simplified that people have tried to look at, but especially to not without getting to like a political standpoint is it's also taking a look at how things could change. We are at the lowest brackets we've ever seen. And we've had a lot of economic spending, whether, you know, regardless of how people feel on that, right, we have a really high debt ceiling right now and debt that the US is carrying. So is there, you need to ask yourself, hey, do I think there's the potential that taxes could rise? Mm -hmm. And that could change tax brackets in the future. And so there's been a lot of studies that have been coming out about this recently. And so these are good things to also think about is, especially if you're in your 30s, 40s, things in 30 to 40 years when you retire could look and be structured very differently. So you need to think about how you feel about those stand the standpoint of those types of things. And also too, some people have really serious feelings on they're like, I want to lower my tax bill now. I don't care what it means for the future or they feel the other side of things. Is one right or wrong? No. It's also what's the best fit for you. And I think that's where the right financial planner, right financial advisor is going to help you navigate 
what is meant for you in this time and also talk to you about the long-term side of things. Okay. And this is not, it's not a question I had sent you, but kind of just came to mind. Uh, do you, do you have any advice on like HSAs? Because those are health saving, savings accounts for like business owners, right? And, but they can also kind of tie into retirement. Is, am I saying that right? Yeah. So a lot of people are trying to save their HSAs uh, to use them during retirement and retirement funds. This is once again, something that has the potential to change year to year. So I encourage you to look at the IRS website because there are always talks on how to change things and the changes to retirement accounts, including Mm -hmm. HSAs, even 529s for your kids, any of these accounts that have you know, really great benefits or the potential to have great benefits, make sure you are keeping up on the news with them because things can change. There's always things going on in Congress. Somebody always wants to fight something. So I encourage you to look things up, but there is talk that a lot of people enjoy using HSAs to save and as a way to save for retirement. Make sure you know about your current health insurance plan. Make sure you're not violating any IRS or federal rules. We never want to be on their bad side. Trust me, they're not right. the people you want. I've seen them go after clients and I'm like, okay, let's fix this. And how do we change this going forward? And so staying educated, staying up on the rules. And once again, knowing what is the right fit for you. Some people jump and they're like, I want an HSA. I want this, that, and the other thing. When there are several more basic, less complicated things that they could do right now to change their finances. Gotcha. Okay. And then that's where you would really come in and with the education piece and and help them. Okay. What about the people who, let's say they're getting a really late start in life. Maybe they're already in their fifties and really haven't started saving for retirement, you know, fifties or sixties. What can they do to start getting ahead? So that way they're not working the rest of their life. So this is a hard one to always see the situations. And I've I've dealt with multiple clients who have been in this situation. And it's also too, the generation before us, you know, my parents, for them, it was like 401ks and IRAs were a new thing. And so for them, they got a much later start in life, especially too, there was a lot of uncertainty around it. So mm-hmm. you see a lot of baby boomers and Gen Xers who aren't as prepared for retirement. So I love the line that's, you know, the, the, best day to save for retirement was 10 years ago. The second best is today. Right. And so it's really about starting, figuring out all of your options. If you are over 50 years old, a lot of plans offer catch-up contributions. So you can add more into this to give you the ability to actually catch up. Make sure you also think about the lifestyle you want to have in retirement. Maybe you don't need millions of dollars and you just need a certain to hit a certain goal. And for you, that's comfortable enough. I also think too, there's been a big shift in seeing people semi-retire. So I have a lot of clients that sit here and they're like, you know, I'd probably still want to either consult or work part-time. So maybe it's, hey, you've reached 65 or 67 and you've decided I'm going to start my retirement, but I don't want it to be a full retirement. I'm actually going to work just for five years, part-time, cover some of my bills, reduce those expenses. And you would be amazed at what a difference that can make. Because you're drawing down less from your accounts, you still have some income coming in, so your investments have another five years or so where they could continue to grow, and no one wants to work until they're in the grave. That is not what it's meant for. 
So that could be a good solution. And I've seen people do some pretty fun things. I have clients that are like, I want to work in a library. Like it has been my dream to just stack books part time. Like they think that would be the coolest thing. It's not like you have to sit here and then be in the the nine to five, 60 hours, 70 hours a week. It could be just doing something part-time that you love and enjoy could make a really big difference. Yeah, that's so true. And and that's pretty cool, like to be able to do something that you've always wanted to do, but it wouldn't probably wouldn't have paid your bills back whenever you had to work full time. So I have the question, what would yours be? What would your like if you had to do a oh, fun gosh. part-time job, what would it be for you? <laughs> Well, I always say if I could do anything and money was a, no object, I would want to songwrite, but the, the caveat is I don't know anything about it and I'm, I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would have to take lessons. Like I do, I'm not, I don't even know how to play the guitar yet, but I just feel like music is so powerful and, you know, it can, um, really like say everything you want and create emotions and stuff. So like, I think that would be my dream, but I'd have to do a lot of work to be able to, to even know what I was doing. But other than that, I really don't know. Maybe do something with babies or, or dogs. Like, you know, I love them both. That's a good one. Sometimes you need a little puppy love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They love you unconditionally. So, and they're always happy to see you. Exactly. Even especially if you have food, then they really love you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All the time. And (laughs) I can't ever get away from my dogs whenever, whenever that happens. In fact, I've somehow I have trained them to take naps in the middle of the day. So they're in their kennels taking naps right now. That is so nice. I'm jealous. I don't know how I did it, but they, yeah, I'm like, you want to take a nap? And they run off to the room. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all want to take a nap? (laughs) Uh, Right. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, So a few closing questions I have for you. What is one piece of advice you would give somebody who, you know, wants to step out and pursue their dream that, you know, maybe you have, you've given somebody else or you wish somebody would have given you in the past? One of my favorite quotes is all the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And so Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways to help mitigate some of that fear is to, sounds crazy coming from a financial planner, but make a plan. I see people who either they make a plan so detailed and they're so stuck to it that they can't, there's no wavering from it. Make a guideline, make a plan. How are you going to find clients? What is it you want your life to look like? And know that it's going to change. And when you make that plan, you need to then have the courage to step out and put it into action. So for me, it was oh my gosh, I'm going to have to call my clients and tell them, and I'm going to have to tell the team I work with. But once you actually start doing it, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Everyone was so happy, so excited. They were thrilled. And it just goes back to the everything in life is on every, all the best things in life are on the other side of fear. Yeah. that is so good. I love that quote. What are, what's a book or podcast that's been very influential in your life? So my favorite book, if I could require every single person in the world, especially my clients to read it would be The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And I'm very big on consumer behavior, people who, how they behave in certain economic conditions. And so I love this book because he talks about how to manage your own 
emotions when it comes to money, because I think that is the piece that so many people often skip is they're like, go invest in this, then do that, then this. Okay, well, there's a lot of emotions and psychology that comes into play when it comes to money. So I highly recommend it. I Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, money can mean security for us and safety. And when there's a lack of it, you definitely feel not safe. Exactly. Yeah. I I have actually read probably about half of the book, but I haven't finished it. And very it was very interesting for sure. This is your sign from the universe to go finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. And then how can people find you? Great question. So I share a lot of things over on Instagram at Tanis Finn Group, T-A-N-I-S-F-I-N-G-R-O-U-P, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Caroline Tanis. And then I have a whole slew of letters after my name. So if you see the alphabet soup after it, you know you found me. You can also head over to my website, TanisFinnGroup.com. And if you want to contact me, schedule an intro call, all of my information, there's a contact us page on there. Awesome. Are you licensed in um, several states or or can anyone work with you? So I can work in any of the 50 states for financial planning. If you just need to talk more money mindset, budgeting, things like that, that wouldn't be in, on the investment side, I can work with anyone in the world. Okay, perfect. Good to know. Um, well, thank you so much for being here today. And I know everybody got a lot of value out of that. I know I did. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. It really was. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd be so kind and leave me a quick review, I would love to hear from you. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Christy Winfrey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that follow button. And until next time, keep chasing those dreams, my friend. Remember, you are worth it.